This episode of the Writer's Room Game Show is brought to you by Plot Devices, creators of the Story Clock Workbook. Go buy one, please. Hey, I'm Ryan. Guys, I'm Seth. <laughs> you guys know us. Welcome back to the Writer's Room Game Show. This is a very special um, bonus episode. Seth, it's funny. I tell people that our, our season one ended and they'll expect and, and to expect episodes for the next four weeks. And they're like, wait, I thought season one ended. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I don't think people I thought were, we were free of you. I thought we didn't have to bear this anymore. I don't think they were expecting us to release episodes for the following three or four weeks before season two. But hey. Hey, I know people that didn't expect us to release like weekly to stick to our weekly schedule, especially people who knew you were about to have a child at any moment. <laughs> you know, thankfully we rec- recorded a bunch ahead and then, uh, you know, it's just fun to do a podcast. I've, a, I did a podcast way back in the day called cinema bacon. That was like a, uh, have we talked about this on area. <laughs> I don't think we have sizzling news and reviews, uh, on movies. Um, it was very early on, uh, and we would just talk about movies, which is, you know, one of my favorite things. But I put so much time into that. And I was like, I'm not putting any time into actually making movies. I'm just talking about them. So this is so the perfect podcast. you did it podcast. again, years <laughs> well, later. But on this one, we're actually creating, you know, developing the films, which I think is the key. That's true. Can I, can I tell you, and that's why we're rolling all this money. Can I tell you what's funny? And you know this, but the listeners don't. I, you had a podcast called Cinema Bacon. And when I was in high school, I hosted a segment on the morning announcements called Cinema Toast Crunch. That was me doing movie reviews. And obviously the play is, you know, the, the punny title is Cinema Cinema Toast. Toast Crunch. Everybody I knew called it Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And no, the, it didn't. What bothered me wasn't that they got it wrong. It was that they didn't question it. They thought Seth is just, they did. They cared so little about my segment, the segment that they were like, Whatever, he's going to name it after a breakfast cereal and call it as the breakfast cereal, a literal translation of the breakfast cereal. And I'm not going to question it. I love too that you're obviously talking about movies put two and two together that's like it makes uh, no sense i love it yeah breakfast and yet you and i both breakfast based uh uh, movie reviews i will say cinema toast crunch makes a lot more sense than cinema bacon but i wanted to what am i missing about cinema bacon is that just the sizzling reviews it's it's craveable you know you want to yes how did i how could i have missed it (laughs) I have no idea why we called it that, but uh, it was it was fun while I was. But I I said that because uh, it was very inconsistent. You know, we uh, posted maybe two weeks in a row, and then it'd be the following month, and then you know a few weeks after that. So I'm sure people didn't didn't also expect us to release a one hour podcast every week in perpetuity. (laughs) But uh, that's why we did this. uh, You know, ten episodes in season one because we didn't know if we were really going to love it. We ended up. uh, Well, what's funny is we loved it. We could have kept going, hundred percent, like easily. We didn't. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, the fun thing about seasons, just for you guys to know, too, is we for season two we've got a few 
uh, little changes coming up that I think will improve the show quite a bit. So it's it's nice having a little break. Not major changes, little changes yeah, to little, the structure. Just yeah. we're actually just going to gamify it a little bit more. We won't get into the specifics, but we've had some really great notes from people saying, "Hey, you call it a game show, but I think you could go even more game showy with it." And so don't worry, oh. we're not going anywhere for better and, or for worse. And speaking of notes. <laughs> Today's episode is actually going to be centered around our notes hotline. Seth, what was the number people called to, to give us notes? Well, I'm going to tell you off the top of my head and hope that it's right. one hey wrgs What are the numbers, Seth? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Google phone number <laughs> translation. No, uh, yeah. one hey wrgs People called in. Unfortunately, we, we didn't by start By the this. millions. People called <laughs> in by the millions. And we, we sifted <laughs> through and found our best ones. The cream of the crop. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, we didn't start this until probably around episode seven, Dead Girl Summer. But we got a lot of notes on on the, those last few episodes. And we wanted to just feature all of them um, in one special episode before, you know, season two will eventually incorporate this into, you know, every other episode, you know, whenever people send notes in. But we wanted to highlight those and talk about what you guys thought might have been better ideas for, for what we came up with. You got anything else to add before we jump into it, Seth? Just has your arcade always been a Spider-Man and X-Men? No, I've I've got an emulator on there, so I can uh, basically okay, put because anything. I, I, I feel want. like I've never seen the X Men logo <laughs> zoom in so much in the background of, yes. of the podcast. I like to feature. Usually, it's Tetris because that's my favorite game of all time. But uh, nice. you know, we could put anything on there. Anyways, this is an audio podcast. Seth. Let's uh, what? <laughs> Wait, why have I been getting all dressed up for this every time? Yeah, I thought it was weird that you're in a tuxedo. Yeah, I'm taking uh, the shirt off, leaving the tuxedo on. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Who's there? I'm talking. Who is this? You know what this is. This is Jason Bourne. Wait a minute. Give me somebody else. Ghostbusters, what do you want? Hello? Hello, Neo. Do you know who this is? Who are you trying to reach? Hi, this is Ferris Bueller. Can I speak to Mr. Rooney, please? I will find you, and I will kill you. The next creature in here is me hanging up. The one after that is me pulling the trigger. Is this a fake hang-up? It's a fake hang-up. Let's get into it. Um, our first note. And that was a call, right? Someone called and just played <laughs> that over the phone. Yeah, someone made a custom bumper for our show and played it over the phone. <laughs> Instead of sending us the file, they called in and played it over the phone. So, um, Well, let's hear. Our, our first call is actually from Sarah. Um, I'm not sure what film it's on, but uh, let's play that. Hello, my name is Sarah Newcomb. Agent number is SN11, and I'm with the U.S. Department of Healthcare. Okay. My job is to make you aware that open enrollment for health insurance is now underway right. and there are big discounts on early thing. enrollment this year. Okay, um, not really sure what film that one was about. Um. We need to play the whole thing. <laughs> I want to know the value of her offer. Um, okay, Sarah Newcomb. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> It'd be funny if the bot said long time, like, like long time listener, first time caller. I'd mean, like to talk to you about your, your car's uh, uh, st- extended warranty. Extended warranty. Okay. That obviously was on movie. Um, Seth, what, what movie do you want to start with? Uh, we got Ferris, Ferris Bueller's new day. We've got dead girl summer and we have pine bluff summons. Let me go backwards. I want to hear, well, I don't know, just randomly. You said Ferris. And I want to hear Ferris. Yeah, let's let's do Ferris first. So um, this one is actually coming from an unknown caller. They called about Ferris Peeler's New Day. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the show. Um, I've been listening to it since you guys dropped it. Um, I just listened to the season finale, which I thought was awesome, um, and I love the concept. I did have an idea 
that I thought would be cool to add into it. I don't know if this is how this works, but um, in regards to the Ferris Bueller idea, I like the idea that Sloan has moved on and married someone else, but I think it would be interesting if she had moved on and married Cameron, and Cameron and Sloan were like an active part of Ferris's life and like wanted him to do better, and that was even harder for him because Cameron ended up with Sloan. I think it's definitely there from like uh the original Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I think they had some sort of like best friends girl connection with each other. Might have just been really good friends and I might have been overreading into it, but thought that could be really cool. Anyway, show's great. Keep it up. Can't wait to listen to you next season. All right. So um he thinks that Sloan should have married Cameron, which I can kind of get on board with to be honest. I actually really like that idea yeah. because that's that's a nice. It's not too far fetched. Like, yeah, I mean, we saw Cameron kind of sneak a peek at Sloan there at the pool. We, you know, at, when Ferris was in, in the parade, they, uh, you know, had some nice long conversations about. They had the Cameron's most substantial life. conversation totally. in the movie. I feel totally, and that's that's really nice to have them both be happier if they're both together. Oh my god! Then he's able to knock two two birds with one stone. Is that it's all about Ferris trying to set up. Not yes. to really set up the two of them, but you know what I mean? Like, totally. Yeah. Make them realize that they, they are in love with each other once, once he has the course correct. That's fun. That's and really it's fun. also, fu- it's fun because it, he also, it could come off a little creepy and we could play that to our benefit, you know? <laughs> totally. Uh, I love that. I love yeah, that. I feel no, like I know who that was who called him, but I, maybe they didn't say the name yeah, on they purpose. Didn't say so the name, but say yeah, it. we, yeah. It's okay. So, uh, that was really great. Um, keeping with Ferris, let's hear CJ from Texas. Ah, oh, Texas CJ. Hey guys. Love the show. Um, I had some notes for Ferris Bueller's Day On. Um, one is a minor note. Uh, I think that you should use a different actor for Ferris and not use, uh, amazing advanced CG. And I want him to look, I want the other actor to look in the mirror and say, wow, I look exactly like I remember. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, and then the other notes are, um, that was good. That's great. The main thing is that I don't like about y'all's thing so far is that there's no like chef reuniting with Sloan and that their lives are like ruined by Ferris. I, I don't like that if you love her, let her go theme. So I think uh, the meaningful lesson for Ferris to learn is to be consistent and that they're uh, and be there for people even when it's not fun. So um, he should think, oh man, me taking these guys out to have their day off shows me being irresponsible. I need to change that. But Cameron and Sloan help him realize that, realize that by the end, no, Ferris, that's your best feature. The problem is that you're never around. Uh, you never came to any of little Cameron's games. You were con- constantly taking days off work. Uh, once we were both working, you were constantly trying to take me on spontaneous dates. I couldn't go on uh, instead of planning them ahead of time. That checks and out. Cameron is like, yeah, bro, you ditched me on our sports startup when it got too real for you. Uh, so the red herring boogeyman would be that Ferris shouldn't be spontaneous and fun and seize the day but really the negative is that he never developed the discipline to put his hands to work be consistent and stay on task because he's a flake so he has to get rid of one piece of himself while realizing the other part of himself was good all along and his sister can have a scene where she's like i was was always jealous that you could make anything fun uh but ferris being fun for little cameron means that you're being there day in and day out uh and that's it thanks guys have a good one. Nice. You got the job. You convinced <laughs> me. Job. I was that was really good. You you were a little skeptical at first there. I was very skeptical, yeah. and also I felt you know 
there's a clearly a child uh, um, like uh, somewhere nearby in that phone call, and you're neglecting that little Cameron. The little Cameron just needs you around. Stop calling in a podcast and tell them how to do their job. But you no. know what? Like they convince me. This is the best kind of idea, which is one that makes me skeptical and then wins me over very quickly because it's yeah. really good. I love I love the idea of him thinking that his problem was being irresponsible. It really was how he used his yeah. his strengths, which is you know his spontaneity and his want to have fun and to bring others, you know, joy through that as well. I have struggled with what I think is the landing point is actually really just the false landing point for the character. Like is really just the end of act two landing point. That's, that is really not going to work. And it's like the unknown, like third act, like turn that my brain just doesn't process or register until like a year into writing something. I mean, the entirety of act two is usually my problem. But definitely the ending, <laughs> what you're talking about there as well. Well, it's like what I think is the ending. I, I I write as the ending of Act 3, like as the movie. But it turns out that where I get to is what should be at the end of Act 2. And it's mm. like the entire transformative, like real thing the character needs is what I just like blank on. And I blank on it for a long period of time. That's what I love about this is that he is a Texas CJ called in and suggested like, hey, you guys got to the end of Act 2. Here's how I think you could actually get through in Act 3. Here's what I think the actual emotional twist should be or thematic twist should be which i think is great love that both of those notes on ferris i thought were incredible definitely uh, incorporate into the film which will actually get made this next note on ferris our last note on ferris is from uh it's from mr zach mr zach hey seth and ryan it's zach here the my main idea with the time travel function mechanics within the movie that i thought of was actually it's kind of stealing from Stephen King. He he uh, in his book, eleven twenty two sixty three. Yeah. About the Kennedy Kennedy assassination. Yeah, it's when James Franco gets sent back in time. Yeah, how he does it. <laughs> yeah. James Franco. Basically, it's a, a place that the main character he has to go to this like rundown diner, and he enters the closet, and the closet itself is a time machine. But he walks through the closet, goes all the way to the end, and it spits him out into a a certain town at a certain time in year, and it doesn't matter if he goes back in and goes back out. It's still, it's basically it, it's 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 fixed. It's, it's very being John Malkovich. So a device of time travel at the exact same time. And so let's say he goes there, right? And he he does a bunch of stuff and he leaves. Whatever he did stays. But if he goes through the time machine again, back to that time, it resets. So it undoes undoes everything mm, he did. If you go back in time. And you screw up a bunch of stuff that you're not happy with. You can go back and you can go back and through the doorway and come back again, and it would reset. So hopefully that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah. the idea for your guys' movie is I'm thinking, well, what could be this time machine Ferris finds? Well, what if it's like his room? He goes into his room, and maybe it's the stereo. He's filling out the stereo. He's you know he's he's uh, revisiting it and kind of talking about it. He presses the button, and that button sends him back to school or something happens where he it resets everything. He's back being the kid again. That's how we navigate through it. Maybe it's something that can help you guys out. I like the idea of something we didn't talk about was the actual uh, physics of the, the, the time travel. And I know our, our genre in this one was fantasy and we didn't really, <laughs> we didn't really lean into the actual fantasy genre at all with, uh, with, 
how we set up the time machine. So I think it it, could, it is valid to to want some sort of device or you know adding a little bit more of the uh, you know time travel movie where <laughs> there's a very um, explainable physics to it all. But uh, I, I I kind of prefer that we just had him wake up and it's kind of unexplained. Yeah, because I feel like you want it to be like you know he was talking about a Ferris's room, for example, and mm. like I agree with him that if you're gonna do like the which I, I, you know, like I said, I really like that device that Stephen King uses in 11, 24, 69, 7,000, whatever it is. 11, 4, 20, 69. Yeah, 11, 11 4, 20, 69, classic Stephen King book. I, <laughs> so stupid. I think, I think that, I, I love that because it's so specific. It's so, like, the first thing I thought of is like, is being John Malkovich, the rules of that are incre- so incredibly specific that they're mm-hmm. believable. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also rooted in the mundane. Like it's just, I just found it you know, in my cl- this closet in the back of the diner. The problem is like with Ferris Bueller, if you add Ferris finding a random, th- you know, place like that, that allows him to time travel. But here's the thing, Chicago suburbs, dark and stormy night, a lightning strike hits Ferris's house. It illuminates. If something like that happens, a like Mike situation, if if I will, um, <laughs> and creating a magical you know object or device, that to me, if we're if we're leaning into the actual genre of fantasy that we're supposed to lean into, um, wait, was like I, Mike about the the super soldier who wanted to look like Michael Jordan, or is no, that a different? So, what movie is that? That's insane. Hold on. Like Mike is. I little, thought that. Was- Lil Bow Wow, he's like an orphan and he gets uh, tennis shoes that are blessed with the power of Michael Jordan through a lightning bolt, hitting them on a oh, power same, line. Same plot. Pretty much same plot. Uh, <laughs> Let me figure out what that super soldier one was. That is incredible. A super soldier that wanted to look like Michael Jordan. Yeah, he says, I want to look like Mike. And so they, I think it was called Solo. It's incredible. A Star Wars story. Mario Van Peebles as cyborg soldier film. Polymer chips mold is asked to choose its own human features. Conveniently, a nearby television is showing Michael Jordan's If I Wasn't Your Hero commercial. So it turns to his designer, who is Adrian Brody, and says, like Mike, voila, the bald, muscled look. (laughs) That is incredible. I've never even heard of this movie, dude. I was reading from uh, Washington Post Review by Richard Harrington from August 23rd, 1996. That was his description of the uh, setup. Is this around uh, Space Jam era? Um, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. I'm gonna have Space to check Jam that era. out. All right. Sorry. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I like your I like your way because the thing is, if it's specific, it needs to be rooted in Ferris Bueller like lore. It needs to be somewhere meaningful. Otherwise, it's it's a random extra thing that we've added to the Ferris Bueller mm-hmm. story. And it's like once you get into sequels it's really hard to introduce new devices into the story. Like this devices need to be, feels like they need to be rooted in previous stories. You know what I mean? And in a sense, uh, a sequel to a very grounded, normal uh, coming of age, you know, teenage comedy. It's almost better. No explanation. Yeah. If it's unexplained, it's like your brain doesn't have to work as much because if it's suddenly we're adding in these fantasy or sci-fi elements to it, it's like, well, that that's not really the same. That's doesn't fit the tone of the original. Um, so it's almost better if it's unexplained. But Zach, I actually was, love the lightning strike idea. It's very eighties. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then you hear lightning strike, and then your brain goes to like Alan Silvestri's uh, Back to the Future theme, which is fine. That's why I think it's fine because <laughs> yeah. it goes it goes straight uh, to Back to the Future, yeah. and I think you're playing in the same. Yeah. Because I when I think of because w- when I like you know I've been we just we moved into this house this past spring, and I've been getting to design like slowly build up my office, mm-hmm. and. 
Which I'm, I'm constantly jealous of. I, but I've been like looking, like furnishing parts of this like office and stuff. And I keep looking because part of me wants to kind of blend a, I don't know how much the listeners will care about this, but wants to blend like a creative, fairly modern, like playful, bright colors with pops of like color from toys and such like look. But I also want to combine that a little bit with the, oh gosh, I'm forgetting all the words, but like 80s modern-ish, 80s modern-ish, like the kind of like- Late 70s, early 80s sort of- And it's, yeah, and it's war games. And it's that neutral 80s that like, it's not bright poppy 80s. It's that neutral kind of beige, white, and gray 80s. Yeah. Yeah. And I look to like Back to the Future. I look to war games and I look to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Those are like the three main Mm -hmm. that pop into my head. So my point is- Having a lightning strike. God, that was a long explanation <laughs> for why I validated your lightning strike choice. I didn't think the lightning strike would uh, get you talking about the, des- the interior design of your office space. Right now, everything gets me back to the interior design of my office space. I've been looking at so many freaking furniture stores. Um, it's a blessing, by the way, to get to of, do that. though, how Ferris Bueller looks, I mean... The cinematography in Ferris Bueller's Day Off is way better than it needs to be. That was Tak Fujimoto, so, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is so nobody good. sings the praises of Tak Fujimoto to the oh, amount that they should. Dude. dude shot I mean, God, dude shot Ferris Bueller, and I'm gonna name some movies that are not his most famous movies real quick. No, he shot Silence of the Lambs, did he not? I think he did, yeah. Silence of the Lambs. He also shot That Thing You Do, which is actually it's a gorgeous oh, movie. Fun. It really is. Um and he shot uh many of M. Night Shyamalan's I know he shot Signs, and Signs is gorgeous. Yes, yeah, Signs, Six Sense. Six Sense. Look at Six Sense. Silence of the Lamb. I know you love Science too. I know that's one of your favorites. I love Science. That's Science and the look, the production design and and look of Science is so perfectly unpretentious. It's just like, but at the same time, stylized. Mm-hmm. It's great. Okay, moving on from Ferris. I know we we ranted a little bit, but uh, that's what that's, bo- it's a podcast, that's what bonus, man. That's, that's what, what bonus are here episodes for. are all about, baby. The interior design of my <laughs> office, of our offices. <laughs> Um, let's move on. Uh, let's do Pine Bluff Summons. By the way, now that I went on ranted about my office, you have to keep our banter earlier about your arcade box. Okay. Yes, I love it. Okay, Pine Bluff Summons. Let's play our one note that we got on Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff Summers. My name is Braxton. I'm listening to Hi, the Pine Bluff Summons episode, and I'm only about 30 minutes in, and I, I just, you guys are missing out on a very, uh, very funny joke. That could be had instead of um, instead of the father who the guy is going to summon um, instead of him being trapped in the mine at some point he comes back to the family and then the summons guy decides like he has to it, they get involved in this chase scene which is a very Wes Anderson style chase scene which eventually leads we both them know into the mine where they come across the big giant spider, which is um, up until this point has been kind of just nodded at. And it's almost like it's a joke mm-hmm. that the, that the characters are like, Oh, well that's ridiculous. That's not real. And then when this chase scene goes into the mine, then he has to have the fight scene with the, the giant spider. Um, and it's kind of done in a way like, oh, that ridiculous thing that was so ridiculous that it's not true. Turns out it's actually real. And then it's even more ridiculous and it's hilarious. And it just adds to the third act. The best way so to pitch a joke is to say it's hilarious. I don't know, maybe you guys come stumble upon that as the episode finishes. But I just, 
it's been killing me that you guys are missing that opportunity. So I thought that I would let you guys Braxton, know. Well, this, first off, Braxton, this, this is the kind we of passion. are sorry for having killed you. We're sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, this is the kind of passion that we want from these hotline calls. Is You don't even wait no. for the, the episode to finish before you... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't think he did. Because I'm pretty sure we kind of did what he was saying. Although, did his chase start in the mine and end no, in the mine? No, did he, I hear, he, he was hear saying that? The, the dad never goes to the mine. He's actually just gone. And he he gets home, at which point... I rejected immediately because it immediately <laughs> loses rats. our rats. <laughs> the rats yeah. are the best part. No, but he, he, he gets home. The guy summons them. They have a chase scene end up in the mine where they meet the spider, have to have a fight scene. Uh, so that is fun, but that also feels like the kind of gag, the kind of gag that like when I was in my 20s and I was like just getting into like Wes Anderson and all of the stuff, there were some movies that, some indie movies that came out around the same time that I won't name that like I, everyone would say was great and I would watch them and I would start to fall asleep or get distracted or my ADD would like <laughs> cause me to like go do something else and I would look up and suddenly they'd be fighting in, in a mine that they would have talked about <laughs> earlier and I'd be like, oh, that's smart. Yeah, I was not, I was bored up enough. until you got there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I especially because our like our uh, the tone of our movie doesn't really uh, at least in my head it fight scene really isn't in the the tone that I was uh, even if it is a Wes Anderson style fight I feel like it would just be them slapping. oh between two people because yeah, we yeah. did pitch a fight between humans and spiders yeah and a giant spider <laughs> uh, but if, yeah I feel like a slap fight makes sense to me in the Pine Bluff Summons <laughs> universe but not necessarily like a big fight scene it makes sense but if the fun. kid. If if like the kid and the and guy have trained like have been jokingly training for fighting or something or like that, you know yeah, what I mean? Then it's yeah. montage. Uh, no, you know Braxton, we're Braxton, we're joking around, but yeah. it's a very good idea. It's it a very very good idea. I just and we reject it because we want the rats. <laughs> please call in if if we're ever murdering you while you listen. Uh, please, again, please don't call let in. us do that to you. <laughs> call in. Um, again and again okay um all right moving on that was only our our, our only uh pine bluff summons note because it was um, a perfect idea <laughs> i love it braxton i love it um before we go into dead girl summer um you know the notes hotline i feel like it 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 branches from something that is uh true to life seth you and i have both received lots of notes from clients and notes studios yeah. uh most often it's not great <laughs> Uh, it's, 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 <laughs> the thing is it's it's not sometimes it's genuinely not great but like i'm having to learn i mean every we all have to learn like how to like because you immediately have a fight or flight reaction totally. to notes because Especially you're like when you've worked, worked on something for so long put so much time yes. into it not knowing that this note that might seem bad right now could actually help the project quite a bit but in the, in the moment it just feels like you saw, he could literally could be getting a note from Steven Spielberg himself and he'd be like, <laughs> guys, I loved it. I'm Steven Spielberg. Uh, I just have a couple notes and your first, your next reaction is fuck you, Steven Spielberg. Get out of this. <laughs> Get out of my house. It's, it's, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible reaction that we humans have to notes. At the same time, a lot of times notes are stupid and bad. Okay, moving on. Dead Girl Summer. Let's go. Hey, what's up, guys? My name's Nick. I live in L.A. Hello, Nick. Uh, I love you guys' show and ideas. Uh, I just think on the last one, when you were talking about Dead Girl Summer, you had it a little bit backwards. I think it would be, if I may, you may. a you little may. bit more you interesting may. if your main character, the protagonist, is the depressed Emma. Oh, and you have it. her, like the first act would be her going through her life and things aren't going her way. 
Maybe she goes to a therapist, and the therapist isn't even paying attention oh, God, to her. God, this is already that, better. You this know, is, even the people that she's paying better. aren't really listening to her. Uh, and then at the beginning of your second act, when there's this uh, multiverse door that gets opened or whatever, she goes through and she sees this happy version of her, this successful version of Emma, um, and then it ends up that that happy, successful version of Emma is only happy because she's killing people and getting her way, and nobody really suspects the the pretty popular girl, you know? Um, and maybe the divergent path that you guys were talking about could be like this moment of rage in Emma's childhood where uh, the good Emma, our Emma, has learned to overcome it and learn to control her anger, whereas in the alternate world, the pretty popular version of Emma just kind of uh, uses her rage to her advantage and, and kills people that doesn't like her or doesn't think the way that she does. Um, and then it would all pretty much play out the way that you guys said, except for uh, in the third act, um, you know, the, the pretty Emma kind of kills herself in, in a moment of uh, whatever, something doesn't go her way, and uh, maybe instead of learning to be popular, learning how to how to be like this good uh, or this, this evil Emma, that is pretty unpopular, the uh, kind of depressed Emma learns to come to terms with who she is and accept herself uh, that way. Um, and so it's kind of, it's really a, a movie about accepting yourself, even if things aren't going your way and accepting life as it is thrown at you. Uh, I just think that would be a little bit more interesting and a little bit more realistic. I think people would kind of respond to that. But, you know, take that uh, as you will. Uh, thanks for letting me guy. Uh, I was gonna say thanks for letting me on your show, but thanks for letting me, you know, come and pitch. You're on our show, idea. baby. Hope you guys like it. Keep on doing what you're doing, and uh, I'm gonna keep listening. All right, thanks, Seth and Ryan. You guys take care. Bye. Hey, Dude, Nick from LA. Hey, f- you LA, Nick. Get that. Get out of my house. <laughs> that is so good. That change in perspective alone is just such a monumentally better idea, definitely, than what we had. Because because the beginning of our movie, you're you're immediately going to be like, oh, this Emma, like she's the popular girl, like you don't really empathize with her as much because she is kind of that mean girl character from the beginning. Yeah, um, and you want to empathize with the really nice Emma that comes in and starts. And you're way people. more fascinated when you see. Emma, who is like socially awkward and unable mm-hmm. to like really deal with life, when you immediately give a get a glimpse into an alternate universe where she's popular, you have all these questions. Like, mm-hmm. okay, what did she do differently? Like, how did she get to that? And then you have this thing to aspire to. The thing then get, can then be twisted. God, Ellie Nick, because Ellie <laughs> Nick, man, so LA, mad, it's so good. Ellie Nick and Texas CJ, man, coming out, uh, coming in the clutch. They're going to start their competing podcast. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, I really like that too, because you can kind of keep a a similar thread, especially in the sort of middle section when people start getting killed off. It's still played up as a mystery until it's revealed that the evil Emma is doing that. It's just a completely different point of view. And yeah, it's, it's so much better. LA Nick, hit us up. And sue us. Is what he's saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for sending in that note, Ellie Nick. That was great. Um, let's hear another one. Hey, long time caller, first time listener, Jake from Birmingham here. Hey, Birmingham, Jake. And uh, I've got two notes. I just finished the Emma episode. Really loved it. Note number one would be uh, I think that her journal, her diary uh, that she's writing in, 
uh, I think that should be the kind of interdimensional multiverse door between the two images. What, how did they get through? I'm thinking like maybe she sucked, finds it sucked in into the first it. sequence uh, in that first five minutes, and that uh, is what allows Evil Emma into her world. Uh, I think that would be a really cool way. It could also be a way for her to trap Evil Emma to trap Good Emma uh, in her world. Do they get sucked into it like the, the golf uh, and space show? And I mean, you can have a lot of fun with it being just a tool. <laughs> like the, uh, and then the second whole note golf. would be Love the Little Brother idea. <laughs> Same tone to sound so, effects. You know, this book being some magical object. Same amount of Wayne Knight as well. I know you love Gremlin Seth, uh, that they find it a sketchy place and, and it has some magical properties. So maybe this little brother can play with it at the end of the movie. I like and that. Now you can bring back in this really awesome version of the little brother and kind of end on this fun high note. Maybe it's a mid credits sequence. Um, I don't know. I loved it. Uh, really love that idea. I think the book should play a little bit more into you know, how the two meet, how they connect. Anyway, you guys are awesome. I love the show so far. Keep going. Thank you, Birmingham I, Jake. What Birmingham was, Jake. I missed it. I was talking about he, Wayne Knight's Space said, Jam. What did he at, say? At the, <laughs> it wouldn't that be funny if he got sucked, if he got sucked into the book like <laughs> Wayne Knight and Space Jam. Um, <laughs> um, no, uh, the book, he said the brother at the end, he thinks the brother should find the book and it should be this like fun where he, the alternate reality brother, like comes oh, in yeah, or out of the good. book as that's sort of really like good. a fun ending, uh, almost like a, a nod, maybe a sequel's coming or something. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I mean that's fun. I th- I think the you know the idea of possibly the book playing more into the uh, it could work as sort of that. In- we didn't really figure out a door to the other dimension, but I just don't know what that would actually look like in terms of. Yeah, I I have a real problem with I like I my first instinct is almost always to not explain the device that's happening. I think I've just been trained from so many movies that don't. Yeah. There's so many movies I love that don't explain it. And it's so much more interesting that way. And I get notes all the time of like, eh, it's never explained. Why isn't it explained? And that's like my least favorite note in the world. So I'm just like, <laughs> some, explain why you won't make my movie instead. Sometimes it's cool though. I mean, you think of, now I just have spaceship on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I get no, it. No, no, no. Sometimes yeah. it's great to have an explanation, 100%. But I like, I don't require, I don't think it's always required yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. almost to a fault to where like, I don't, <laughs> I'm so willing to accept it at face value in a story that uh, in instances where arguably it probably w- does need an explanation. So, but I think, I think a more natural, it's like we, we have the dance studio, right? That we end at that, uh, I guess maybe in, in this version of this new version of the story, our protagonist, the nice Emma, like the dance studio is such a huge part of her life because she's a ballet dancer. Um, it could be like one of the mirrors in the ballet studio. We just have like a fun effect that we play with where like, didn't like black, it's a little black swan. He didn't black swan do. Do uh, they like go through a mirror? Like, you know, the, the matrix effect that you guys did on VFX and chill. Yeah. If it's some, did, some yeah. sort of thing where she sees herself in the mirror and it's the evil Emma or whatever she walks through and she's in a dimension. It's like something that is, not explained, but it's like, at least that's like a doorway or something that could be a natural, you know, transition into that, you know, other world. Or like a family mirror, some mirror that's like in there. Cause I, cause, cause cheerleading Emma wouldn't be at the dance studio. It's like somewhere that they that's would both true. be. That's, that's where there's a mirror. That's where it would possibly. Maybe, maybe they can see their dead parents in this mirror, but nobody else can. Dead parents mirror. <laughs> uh, let's hear our, our last note. Uh, this is from Texas Clint. Hey, it's Texas Clint. He actually calls himself that. Hey, I just had another idea, actually, as I was listening to uh, 
this week's episode, Dead Girl Summer. You know, Emma's a fine name and all, but you really should have given her a palindrome name. You know, something like Hannah or Anna, where it begins and it ends the same way. Or I wish he went for 20 more minutes with palindrome names. It's uh, spelled the same if you reverse it. Perfect, because she's looking at herself in the mirror. And if you put <laughs> her name in a mirror, it still spells same way. Think about it. Get back to me. Let me know. Uh, okay, so Texas go Clinton. hang a salami. I'm a lasagna hog Watson or whatever we name her. Looks into a mirror and writes her name. And sure, I'm a big palindrome fan. So God, I wish if I, yeah, I wish I could speak we, that in only palindrome. I think I think we cut I think we cut it out of the episode. But I think I actually we named her Emma, and then I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's a palindrome. That'll work. And then I thought about it for a second, <laughs> and, it, and it obviously isn't. And I think I asked Renee to cut it out of the episode. Uh, <laughs> and I was, meanwhile, just like talking about myself and didn't hear it whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, that was a good note, Texas Clint. Um, there was another note from Texas Clint. L E L L E. That's true. L. I like that. And that actually makes me think of uh, Legally Blonde L, which I kind of like. Yeah. We could have a Legally Blonde uh, reference, which is, honestly, it's a very, it's a fantastic movie. I love that movie. Or Legally Blonde Denolb trying to make a palindrome out of it oh man that is all the notes we have uh people this is fun yeah i mean i feel like uh if you're still listening to this call into the hotline uh feel free to leave a note on any other episode from season one or just you know wait for season two and We'll, we'll start featuring them on uh, regularly on episodes. But this is fun. A lot of fun. Hey, everybody. If I if I seemed like I was making fun of you, I promise it was only out of my own <laughs> insecurities. Uh, please call in with your notes so I can make and, fun of you on the and, show. And please leave your name and maybe where you're from uh, because that's a lot of fun. Your um, personal address. And... Uh, <laughs> And if, no, do they you're from? Because it's really fun to give you a names based on your and location. If, you've, if, and you've, if you were featured on today's episode, feel you know, please call back. Who knows if you'll become a recurring guest on the show via yeah. your voicemails? Because I think that could be a lot of fun. And if you have notes but don't want to be featured on the show, you know, still call in and just say, "I don't want to be on the show, but here's my note," and we'll read it. And we won't say who you are. Actually, Ryan will read it with a voice changer on it, and it will. We'll backlight yeah, but, him with some with no key. A really low we'll, voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For no reason. For no it's reason. Like, that's obviously we'll Ryan. Say that it's Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll light the mustache with just a single like sweep. Yeah, if you're still if you're still listening, guys, stick around the next few weeks. We've got some fun episodes. Next week we actually have a really fun uh episode with the um, host of Light the Fuse podcast, Mission Impossible podcast. Yeah. It's our first podcast crossover. Yeah. We invited Charles and Drew. We'll be huge fans of the Light the Fuse podcast. It's mm-hmm. a podcast solely about the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh, you should check it out. They have, they've talked to everybody from like Brad Bird, Chris McQuarrie on down, all the way down to like camera assistants and from like various so installments. Fun. And it's really, really nerdy and great. And, uh, they they were game. They came on the show. We we were thinking it was we were gonna write like Ryan and I were fully prepared to write a Mission Impossible <laughs> movie with legit. them. And and, and immediately it was like 
clear that the tone was going to be a little bit looser than it usually is. And we ended up <laughs> with a very, very funny episode that we're all going to really enjoy. Went off the rails, um, to, to put it lightly. Went off the rails in uh, a good way, I think. Yeah. But yeah, tune in next week to uh, our write the, our special Write the Fuse episode. Yes. And um, then a week after that, I think we, we haven't talked about it, but one of our practice episodes is going to be going up with the- Oh, which one? <laughs> with the I think uh, Phil Crow and Bird. I think that one we actually oh, have Oh, you guys are in mics. for a treat. There's one of my favorite jokes so we that have, we've- uh, We've had- we have our indie, uh, I think indie comedy written for children uh, <laughs> going out, um, which is our second ever practice episode. We we are still trying to figure out sort of the the flow of the show and how we're going to do it. So I think that'll be a really fun thing to listen to uh, before season two starts. But anyways, we just wanted to give you guys some you know some fun bonus episodes in between seasons, just to make sure there's uh, some good writers room game show content coming out regularly content i hate that i just said content content <laughs> seth i don't know how to outro Ryan, this i love you love you too i miss you <laughs> I've, it's been i've missed you since we ended season one i'm ready to get back into it it's been so long this is the outro we will talk to you next time this is the outro <laughs> this is the outro we will talk to you next time goodbye the writer's room game show with me ryan Polly, and seth worley Executive produced by Grant Wakefield at Weekend Video and Ann Fogarty at Plot Devices. Our art is by your buddy, Meg Lewis, and our face-melting music by Ben Worley. The Writer's Room Game Show is a Weekend Video production in association with Plot Devices. Learn more about Weekend Video at weekend.video and check out writersroomgame.show to listen to all of our episodes and suggest your own prompts for future shows. And don't forget to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps our show out a lot. See you in the next one.